Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I am very excited to have this discussion today because this is a, a kind of an overlying arch of what my whole life has been in the last nine plus months. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if the digital age has brought us closer together or if it has divided us further. And uh, today's a perfect example of that because I have worked with my guest today uh, maybe a handful of times generations ago. This was uh, long ago when I was still a lighting tech back in Vegas. And uh, I was a lighting tech, he was the lighting designer. I don't even recall if we had many interactions, but it was, it had to have been uh, at least 20 years ago. And we haven't really had a chance to work much together because we're in different circles. He's more in the television. I'm more in the rock and roll. Our paths cross every once in a while, but we just haven't really had a chance to interact. But recently I made a post online. Um, he didn't necessarily agree with me, but he took the time to reach out to me and said, hey, I disagree with you. And I said, I will. I also disagree with you. And we had a, a, a riveting conversation until about two in the morning where we were both typing feverishly. And, uh, of course, inevitably it led me to go to his LinkedIn page and I'm like, oh my God, I, so many great projects. I, I, I want to continue this conversation, uh, in another way. So today we're going to have a podcast on exactly that topic. So please, uh, welcome Victor Fable. He is a lighting designer and DP at VFL. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's absolutely my pleasure. My pleasure. I had a, a wonderful time the other evening. My wife was looking at me. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing designer relations right now, babe. I'm talking to a client. She's like, why are you typing so fast? I'm like, because this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she my was wife like, well, had the same reaction. She goes, what are you doing? I said, Just, I need to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> we were on vacation. It was like our first vacation in years. And it was the middle of the night. She's like, what are you doing? I go, I can't explain it to you now. I got to stay focused. <laughs> I, I got to make I sure I don't say anything it. stupid. <laughs> I've been known to do that too. So yeah, that's exactly what she was worried about. And she's funny. She goes, you'll engage. You just engage people, don't you? I go, I, I, yeah, as long as it's respectful. I have a great time. And it was, it was a beautifully um, respectful discussion. So my wife has finally come around to the fact that she understands it because you and I have, we've got into the industry because we know that it's our job to create emotion. Yes. Hopefully paid for that. Uh, that night we definitely didn't get paid for any of the emotions that we were stirring within each other, but, uh, but it was entertaining. It was entertaining. That's, 
we don't really have any audiences to entertain right now, so we have to entertain ourselves. Tell me about it. Oh my God, it's depressing. It is. So uh, I want to ask you the question because you've kind of been in the industry long enough to see the progression. Do you think that the digital age has brought us closer together or would you buy into the MSM media thing that we have actually divided ourselves further? I think it's a little bit of both. I've actually reconnected with a lot of people from a long time ago, which has been great. Okay. I mean, I've reconnected with some LDs that I was working with when I was a programmer. And it's been kind of cool to do that because I think if had we just been chugging along, it wouldn't have happened. It just right. wouldn't have happened. We don't so, have the time. Um, exactly. And, um, and it's funny, too, because when you work with somebody a long time ago and you can get back together and it's like you never stop talking. We just got yeah. older. Yeah. You know, our stories uh. got better. But, um, <laughs> but we were, you know, it was funny. One of them was Gene Lenahan, who's an outstanding designer that I used to program for. And one morning I was listening to the Brian Setzer Orchestra and I went to my wife and go, man, I did this show with Gene in, in San Francisco. It was amazing. It was like the best night. We had a great time. Two days later, I heard from him. It was like wow. he heard me. Yeah, it was like the weirdest thing. He was like, he sent me, just sent me out a text. He goes, I'm moving to LA, blah, 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 blah. In a couple of years, I go, well, I got a little bit of bad news here, buddy, because I'm back on the East Coast. So we ended up on the phone for like an hour and a half, two hours. And it was like we had not stopped talking. It was great. And it's happened with a bunch of people. So I don't know if it's taken us. I mean, I'm closer to my family now. That's awesome. You know, I'm reconnecting with them. So, uh, you know, I don't buy into the whole, you know, I mean, I miss going, I mean, I miss gigging, but I, we, you know, yeah. I made it up in other ways. Also made yeah. new friends. That's cool. You know, you got to make the best of this. Yeah. I think a lot of us never realized that we were going to still be connected to our high school friends or even the people that were you know, just uh, a passing glance uh, on a gig 20 years ago that we would still have a way to be connected. I reconnected with a kid that grew up with that we've known to each other since we were three years old. Wow. It was the wildest thing. Yeah, we were, I mean, it was freaky. We went completely opposite directions. <laughs> you know, he, his work and my work, we went, we didn't talk to each other for, I don't want to think about how many years, but again, it was like, Hey, have you heard from Lou? Oh yeah. Lou got busted. <laughs> it's like, but <laughs> it's been interesting. It's really has been. I'm kind of, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of, I am not going to say I'm glad, but it did get me closer to, I moved back closer <laughs> to be with my family and um, like being able to see the grandkids on a regular basis, not just, you know, once a year or on Sunday. Yeah. It's so, so, so here's one thing that I think has, I've seen, uh, happen quite a bit where my aunt was not very excited to be on Facebook. She doesn't like the idea. She doesn't want her face online. She doesn't want any of her opinions online per se, but she loved seeing pictures of her grandkids. And so she got on Facebook and then next thing you know, she 
fell down the rabbit hole of politics and stuff online. And that's a tough one. Like, yes, it, it brought yeah. you closer. You get to see photos of your grandkids from thousands of miles away. But next thing you know, you might find out that your cousin disagrees with you on everything. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And then you're in that weird place where, you know, you don't want to get into anything that's going to cause, you know, and um, <laughs> I've never been big on Facebook because I, I don't know. I just never have been. I'm, I'm more of a visual guy. So I like Instagram and, um, and LinkedIn, but Same. you know, the whole Facebook and Twitter just never made sense to me little bird just never really worked for me but um you get sucked in i mean and it's easy to get especially if you start taking things personally and get emotional about it yeah for sure you know, um i think in our conversations 300 million people and we're not all going to agree because if we all agree it's really going to suck yeah that's actually one of the the harder points to make here is that before the internet you only had to agree with the 300 people in your circle now, your our circles are so much bigger. Our, yep. our brains aren't even designed to comprehend. Like I don't think our brains are even designed to know more than 150 people or have 150 oh, close relationships. That. When you run into people you haven't seen in a long time and, and you can't remember their name, I always joke around. I go, look, when you hit my age, we got to start purging. So I can't remember <laughs> everybody. So at a certain point, I got to let you go. But now you're back, back, so that's good. I'll let somebody else go. But you can't remember. I mean, I've always been jealous of people who can remember everybody they've ever run into. I look at them and go, seriously, have you not smoked a joint? It's like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. How can you remember everybody? It's I mean, a skill. It's a skill. It has to be. It, oh, no. It, yeah, it's, it's a gift, too. It's something that, you know, it's given to you, and you better hold on to it, and you're wasting it in entertainment. <laughs> you should be doing something else. <laughs> I think the fun part of entertainment is you get to like let go of the bad and forget it ever happened, except the worst stuff you always remember. Yeah, I can tell you, I still remember losing a light, a VL2, doing David Letterman with Rob Zombie and um, when Letterman was still doing The Tonight Show. Oh, not The Tonight Show, his show. Right. And the power, the guitar hit a power chord in the beginning of the song and all the lights reset. And I lost my mind because they came back online just as the song ended. And it's like it was yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it was it was white zombie. I'll never I'll, I, I was devastated. That was the only gig I ever lost. That uh, that do it over the... again. Everybody's telling me Letterman doesn't do it over again. Uh, he's got to do it over again. What do you mean he's not going to do it over again? You, he's got to. He <laughs> <laughs> got messed up. And it was one of those gigs where, like, you spent hours programming the one song. So you had, I had every hit, every chord, every, everything that was in there. And it was like, <laughs> and you're staring. It was like a lifetime. But you do manage to remember all the bad gigs, even though you want to let go of them. That moment is front and foremost in your cortex, but the salesman you had lunch with yesterday can't remember his name. No. 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 That's how we are. That's how we're designed. Well, you know, I think we're a unique group. You know, 
I think people have learned to appreciate us more now that we're not there. Hallelujah. I mean, in an odd way, like, you know, I think we had this discussion. I don't like the entertainment right now because there's no audience. <laughs> it's like a big <laughs> rehearsal, you know, and I never realized how much that audience met, meant. Yeah. Kind of took them for granted. Like they kind of took us for granted. I kind of took them for granted a little bit. It's easy. It's easy to fall into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I went down to, I was in Tennessee and, you know, fortunately, Dr. Fauci didn't find out and he didn't come ch chasing after me. But I went to go see one of those hokey shows and I was like a kid going, oh, my God, look at that. Those are lights and they're changing color and people are singing. All right. They have masks on, but they're singing. And I kind of missed it. And I was watching my, my granddaughter, who's only one, and she had this look like, and I was like, oh my God, that was a look I used to have. I yeah, same. Yeah. You know, I remember we, we you know, when I was on, doing Bette Midler, you know, you'd hit a cue and the lights would fly away. Something we take for granted today, but the audience reacted. Like you got that gasped when it when when it all happened, mm -hmm. and your hair stands up, and now it's like, oh God, I'd give anything for that that feeling yeah. again. Yeah, we uh, we became addicted to it. We, we you know we would get it daily, weekly if we needed it. Now nine months it's without an amazing it, amazing high. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing high. It's a really cool feeling. I mean, I can't, I mean, I have zero regrets about what I ended up doing in my life. None. It's been absolutely, I met the greatest people. All right, so not so great. But, you know, you meet an amazing group of people. Right. And you kind of lifelong, if you're not lifelong friends, you're lifelong associates. Yeah. You know, yep. you, there's always a city you can pop in that somebody knows you. That's a great feeling. Yeah. To be is. able to it's be in cool. at the most remote areas and be like, hey, yeah, I know somebody here. Uh, you, you're just on a loading dock right now. You know where you're at. Yeah, I know this loading dock very well. Yeah, I missed I I also missed the days of diesel, but, you know, I've gotten <laughs> over that. Right, Come so on, to you have this, to admit, the smell of diesel in the morning, it was kind of cool. I don't know if I actually like it or if it's just because so many great moments took place with that smell in the background Thank that you. I've associated yeah. it. I think it's an exactly. association. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there was just something about the trucks backing in. And mm -hmm. you knew it was time. And it was that I, smell. I, when I hear that backup noise, I know that I'm making money. So that that sound, the backup beeping noise, that makes me feel good. Yeah, man. Yeah. Now uh, I feel like I'm really old now. <laughs> anyway. So to bring this back just a little bit, do you find it easier to create a meaningful connection in a small, intimate environment or in a, in a large stadium when you're trying to you create know, emotion? Oh... You know, that's interesting. I, I, when I was at the front of house, it was the large arena because it was something really cool about going out to the front of house. 
Yeah. You know, you had this, that, it was your domain, you know, and you had the best seat in the house. Mm-hmm. And then as I did TV, I liked doing the music shows, but I kind of felt like, well, you're, it becomes more intimate because I'm now interacting more with the people in the truck than with my own crew on the floor. So okay. it depends on where I was, but when I was in the front of house, I, I did, I just loved it. I, I just thought it was so cool. I, I, I joke around that I can't go to a concert because I don't know what it's like to sit in a seat. You're spoiled. Oh yeah. I admit it. I'm not lying. I, I I think the actually the last concert I actually paid for sat down was boys to men with my wife when we first started dating in the nineties at radio city music hall. <laughs> and, but after that, it's been like, I, 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 I don't have a credential and I don't want to sound like, you know, a snob, but it was just like, you get that freedom and when you don't have it anymore, it's not even about going backstage. It's just about having the freedom. Yeah. Like, of course I can walk here. I look at my badge. I can, yeah, I can walk yeah, anywhere. That, and, but being in the front of house has always been like, the, that was the best place. Just something about that energy in, a, in an arena. You can't be, you just can't. Sometimes I wonder if I got into this industry just so that I could have the best seat in the house. I didn't realize it was going to be such a good seat when I, 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 I stepped in whatever, to get in this business. I've just been blessed. So, but there's that magic. And I, you know, and the other thing was always when, you know, when you're running your cues, especially when you do TV, you got to check your cues and people react to it. Like they think the band started. It's like, nah, sorry, kids. I'm just messing with you. Oh, that's, that's true. You can't, if you start hitting lighting cues at the wrong time and people react they're gonna you're gonna trick them uh-huh <laughs> you don't mean yeah. to but it it happens and it's like oh, i i didn't i'm sorry i i just gotta make sure i don't look like an ass in about another five minutes you oh know? man and if I you want to piss off a crowd if you want to piss yeah. off a crowd hit the house lights on accident <laughs> and then bring them back up that's the worst they hate that that's a mortal sin i that, that really is but you know it's happened it's happened plenty oh of yeah time. it's like why did why did they turn off the house lights we're not starting yet and then they turn them back on and it's like oh god they're getting upset and i was at woodstock 99 when the riots happened um and you know i'd never been at a riot before and i don't ever want to be in one again but, you know, in the front of house, we couldn't get out. So we watched the entire, like, melee from the front of house. And it, it was like, oh, another memory that I would want to forget just came back. But we had good times. I was looking lost, and I'll never forget. Kevin's like, we were, we, were sit, we were sitting in the front of house. They started ripping the boards off the, you know, around the tower you know, where the Porter Johns were. And then they uh -huh. started knocking off the Porter Johns. And we were like, we get, you know, they're telling us to get out of the tower. And we're like, no way we're staying here because they're not going to knock down this tower. And they're not coming up it because 
you know, we were going to, it was like our fort. We were not letting anybody come up, but we weren't going to come down because we're looking at that insanity going, we're not going to make it. They're going to kill us before we get out of here. Interesting. And yeah, you were basically yeah, in a sea. You're in your own tower in a mosh pit then. Yeah. And it was, I'll tell you, it was scary. I mean, especially when you see like an onslaught of state troopers coming in trying to, you know, regain control. But all it took was Metallica. They were they, not going to uh, play until it calmed down. And, you know, they're, you know, they're a well oiled machine. And, you know, Rage Against the Machine, I believe, was on when the problem, or Limp Biscuit was on when the problem started, but Metallica came. It was like a new night because they were not going to start until everything was back in order. And too bad that didn't last through the whole weekend. But hey, you can't have everything. If only we had the power of Metallica to calm all the rioting these days. Metallica always impressed me. I mean, they're a tight, they're an amazing band, but they're such a well-oiled machine. Like, they, they were just amazing to watch. Just amazing. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and maybe the civil unrest in the United States and across the world these days is because of lack of live music. I don't have any I, scientific data to back me up here, but I think, I think we might be onto something. You know what? Um, you may be. Because it's a play, you know, it, depending on the music, yeah, it's a release. You know, we were talking about Kiss the other day from Dubai. Yeah. Um, I've been a Kiss fan since the first live album. And, you know, I'm sitting there watching it and going, I feel bad for them because they're trying to interact with an audience that's so far away and so non-responsive that you can't hear them but you know a mosh pit is a pretty fun place i mean especially from the front of house and it is a place to let go of a lot of energy mm -hmm. and yeah you know what you may be on to something because live music is a unique thing it's very unique it's an, it's a, it's special it's not you know it's it's an amazing night of of you know, obviously, if it's, you know, Bobolay or whatever his name is with all the classical songs. Ah! But, you know, you get the Chili Peppers or, you know, um, Rage mm -hmm. or Metallica or Van Halen, God rest that he sold. Um, it was, you know, you get some, it's there. You feel it. You feel the energy come back. Mm -hmm. It made our jobs fun. Yeah, we could all use a little more Rage Against the Machine right now. Yeah, it, I'm telling you, even go, I forgot what, oh, it's the Hatfields and McCoys in, in Tennessee. Now, I normally fall asleep because it was just a regular kind of, you know, hokey kind of show. But I thought okay. it was the greatest thing in the world because I hadn't seen anything live in, since March. <sighs> That's too long. And yeah, did I like the masks? Not really, but they, they still got through it and they had effects and dogs jumping in the water and fetching stuff in a pool i'm sitting there going oh my god look at that pool they're diving into a pool this is like being in mini vegas <laughs> but <laughs> i would go again just because you need it you, it's important i think you know i think having that even tv shows that don't have an audience it's not the same like dancing with the stars an audience full of lights is not exciting no. It's cool. 
but not excited. So how do you do your very best? Like you've experienced live music and you've been on the other side of the, the broadcast television in the, in the, in the truck. How do you try and recreate what you're seeing live to millions of people who are looking at it on a screen? It was a lot easier when I first did the transition because, you know, I started with Verilite and I would always use Verilite on my shows or PL or VLPS, but I know all the guys. So if it was Harry Sangmeister or Matt, Matt Ford or Andy O'Reilly, they have that gift and they can make what was running around in my head real. As the years went on and I had started having to deal with new people, it became harder because they didn't come up the way I did. We all came up together so that we had a, a sort of a basis that we all worked by or a work ethic. So it got harder because it, it just got harder. I think it got harder because, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize how much you depend on your programmer. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm not going to ever sit there and say, yeah, I mean, I'll admit my, your, your ego gets big when you're sitting behind the desk and you kind of know that the, when, when the VL5 came out in the 6 and the system numbers jumped from like 25 lights to 200 lights, designers kind of lost their control yeah. a little bit. And, and so you really had to find that the programmer who you can meld with and work with or take direction that you know didn't give you attitude i mean look i gave attitude back a few times but um <laughs> i also think that's normal in your in your in your growing well it, yeah i just think it's normal in your in the in you know in your career as you're growing you get very i've only run into one or two programmers that you know don't have an opinion right they have to have an opinion because they have to be able to you know they're on the edge your mm -hmm. your career is on the line if something goes wrong but they're the ones holding the edge it's basically your job to portray what you're seeing live to your entire audience through the lighting with your hands yeah. tied well when you're the pro when you're design when you're the programmer you're lighting the show when you're the designer you're editing it oh that's a good way of putting it Yep. Um, Bob Barnhart told me that a long time ago and he was right. Bob's right a lot, actually, but um, it's true. When you're sitting behind the desk, it's on you to, you know, you can't wait till the rig is done or the scenery's all in. You got to start hitting it as it's coming, as stuff's getting built. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are some songs, well, I'll be very specific about what I want because that song has meaning to me. And then there are some songs where I'll let them do their thing and, you know, just edit it and go, you know what, put a fly away here or, you know, uh, you know, I want a button here and don't ever black out. I had a do not black out rule. <laughs> okay. I, it still drives me crazy. Um, I like a big button. I like slamming lights in people's faces. I really do. I think it's kind of cool. It drives them crazy, mm -hmm. but there's some energy in there about timing it watching that drummer, you know, looking, because that was always my way of, of finding the button. 
was I would just stare at the drummer. And nine out of 10 times, he's going to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, though, they'll burn you. No, but, they're, they're so expressive back there. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it would be funny because on a TV show, I'd keep the camera on that was on the drummer. Even though I should be looking at everything, I, especially when that song's building to an end, he's the one that's going to tell me when that song's going to be over. No one else will. Yeah. Uh, when I was out with Fleetwood Mac, I would try and follow Mick Fleetwood, and you know, I, I can't follow him. That guy's all over the place. <laughs> He's a hard one. I mean, there are it's some tough. drummers that are difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lars is hard, too. From Metallica. It is okay. Hard. He's hard yeah. to, to read. But some of them are easy because they yeah. kind of have that look. But that's okay. You need that. Yeah. And what was cool is, I, you know, we were doing it before time code. We were the time code. So it wasn't as be. perfect. But there's something about it not always being perfect. That's kind of cool. That's live. We're fallible human beings. Do musicians make mistakes? You know, yeah. I've never been a big time code fan. Um, some music it works well with. Some designers, you know, really like it. I, I never, I, I'm okay if you make a mistake. I mean, as long as it's not like a really bad one that gets everybody off the wall. Mm -hmm. But it's okay because they're going to miss a note no matter how good they are sometimes. You know, the drumstick's going to fly out of the drummer's hand. <laughs> and he's going to have to get that other one. And it's going to be that miss. So That's a great example of I one of the things that separates. Yeah? Yeah. I always, when, you know, when I started on The Artisan, I always believed and I was taught that we are the extra guy in the band. Yeah. We just didn't play an instrument. Our instrument was the lights. And that's what I kind of wanted. That's what I really try to instill in people. It's that, you know, you're part of this. You're not just making lights change colors. So, you know, I've always thought, especially with music, that that guy behind the desk needs to be the extension of a band member. Be part of the band. Feel that music just like anybody on that stage would. I would imagine it's much like being the bass player there, where if, if you're doing everything right, nobody's ever going to stare at you. But boy, if you mess up, they're going to look straight at the bass player and go like, that That was on you. You messed that up. Yeah, and I, you know, oddly enough, I was the bass player growing up, and that was only because all my friends took all the other instruments, and my parents wouldn't let me have a drum set. <laughs> my bass is right there. I got two of them still hanging in the corner over there. I Natural progression. high school. Nice. Yes, oldest thing I think I have. I actually don't think I have anything older than that. But um, no, you're right, though. The bass player is doing his job right, and the drummer, you're fine. But man, you, you start messing with the timing, mm -hmm. you know. And, we, and I was playing during the rough time. Remember disco? There was that, that music that, that, you know. I'm aware. There was, a there was a period where the bass player went away. They did everything with keys. It was like a three or four year period, I think, where bass players became, you don't need one. And then fortunately that kind of, you know, changed because you need one. You need that backbone holding it together. Yep. 
So one of the things you mentioned earlier kind of was a, a perfect example of what we were discussing is that when you go to live theaters, you're going to see mistakes. When you go to see live entertainment, there will be mistakes. Whereas on television, you're going to see a lot of polished, sometimes overproduced yep. content designed to cause an emotion. But it's so well done that yeah. sometimes they miss the mark. You know, it's funny. I love doing music. I don't know. When I was at the front of the house, I didn't care what it was. Broadway, all right, not opera. I did want opera. I did want to shoot myself. But um, there's something about it, and you don't want to make a mistake, but it happens. You know, you don't hear the call from the stage manager on a Broadway show. Or when I was doing Broadway, a big rig was 10 lights. That was a big deal. So yeah. you had to get them marked, repositioned, <laughs> get them ready again to do something else. And, and yeah, there's just something about that, that human element that, that makes it special. And the tape shows, I tape TV shows drive me nuts because they'll just do it until it's, you know, except when lighting screws up, they don't like redoing it for us. They like to do it <laughs> for other reasons. Um, but yeah, it's polished. It is. It's just, you know, you're not, you're kind of lighting for a different audience. You're looking more at the cameras. Like you're, you're, you may hold a cue back where musically it should happen, but you have to hold it back because the director's going to go to a wide shot and you want right. that cue on the wide shot. And then you got to pray that the director actually goes back to the, that same wide shot, like you did in rehearsal for 14 times. And then, you know, the 15th time he goes to a different camera. So. I can only imagine that as tough as it is for us, it's got to be even exponentially more tough for the artists to be able to emote without getting any feedback from a live audience. You know, it's, it's weird. I, I forgot what country show. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, one of the bands that had one was like on the Today Show or the Tonight Show or the Afternoon Show. And they were talking about performing without a live audience and I can't remember who the band was but he made the comment that you know he's singing a love song to a big brawly steady cam operator because there was nobody else to sing it to you know he's like looking at some <laughs> guy that looks like us and yeah. I'd imagine that just takes fun out of it normally you'd pick one of the girls in the front row and just kind of go off into a, an imagination world yeah I mean it's just and I honestly, I never imagined that we would take the hit we took. I never imagined in a million years our industry would shut down. No. We were I very mean, cocky. Uh, well, I don't know if it's cocky or we, you know, people needed to be entertained. And then I think government decided people didn't need to be entertained. And, yeah. and that's the biggest fallacy of it all is... People still need that entertainment. Even during World War II, there was still entertainment. Even doing, you know, the worst. I was, we were back to work right after 9-11. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was, go, you had to go through hell to get on a lot. But, you know, we went back to work. And I, I don't know if we took it for granted, but I just never imagined it stopping. It was, it was earth shattering. You know, everything went away literally in 24 to 48 hours, depending on what part of the country you were in. 
Mm-hmm. Sports went away. Sports? When does sports go away? Like, Jeez. I mean, I'm not a big sports guy. I mean, I, I, I take it or leave it. But at some point, and even sports, I don't like fake audio. Like, I can't stand <laughs> watching a football game. I mean, it's great that they can do it. But you know there's no one there. So I'd imagine even for the players, it's a letdown. It's like going to, it's like going to practice. Maybe not because it's big bucks, but I just never imagined it happening. All right, was I jealous of the guys who worked in news? Uh-huh. They apparently were making bank during this <laughs> thing. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it was earth-shattering. It was eye-opening. And it also made me realize that there is way more to life. Yeah. Way more to life. I, I can only imagine that our cockiness was well-founded in the fact that, like you mentioned, war didn't stop our industry. Um, depression didn't stop our industry. Even past epidemics haven't ended. I mean, even when it was SARS, it was put the Rolling Stones in Toronto and, and raise money for them. This is the first yeah. time that in modern history that... that this is I wonder how history is going to look back on it, too. Because, you know, history doesn't really, you know, we don't know what history is going to look back until we're way in the future. And hopefully we'll still be around and cognizant enough to understand it. Mm -hmm. But I wonder how they are going to look at it. That, you know, we shut everything down and, you know, I mean, it hurt us. I feel bad for the kids. I mean, thousands, I mean, a generation of kids lost a year of learning and a year of being with friends and, you know, oh, I, I, when I was in grammar school, if I didn't have my friends, I'd go nuts. I don't know how they do it. My kids are remote learning right now and it's, it's not the same. We send our kids to school, not for the, the book learning, but for the interaction, you know, we, yeah. it's a social uh, thing. It's like, you need that. You need to be, a, we're social creatures. We're not meant to be in little cubicles with, monitors and you know no. have you called anybody in customer service somewhere they don't want to get off the phone with you they'll just <laughs> talk to you like it's amazing i called to cancel my cable when i moved out here and the guy's asking me questions like so how do you feel about you know the uh, blah, blah. and i'm like don't you have anything to do he goes well i do but i'm home and <laughs> and i haven't seen a human in three weeks so, Mr. Fable, can we just hang out for a little while? It's, well, yeah, and he's asking me, like, the weirdest questions. He goes, well, you're a business owner. How do you feel about minimum wage? And I think I'm, I'm like, I'm like, am I really going to ask this question? I go, first of all, I'm not in, like, that normal kind of business where there is no such thing as minimum wage. And um, I don't, you know, I mean, I guess it depends on where you live and what you do. And we were on the phone for an hour. And all I wanted to do was cancel my bloody cable. Oh, and here's the best part, Chris. We were on the phone for an hour. I wanted to cancel the cable, and then he had to send me to someone else. He couldn't even do it. <laughs> it was an hour and 45 minutes. I got home. I showed my wife the phone. I, put, I go, look at that. And she goes, who is that? I go, the cable company. She goes, what are we trying to do? I go, cancel the account. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, Jake from State Farm. Jake from State Farm. This isn't the conversation I wanted to have right now. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's like they're all working from home, and they have they'll talk to you forever. Like, I'm sorry, I you know I just want to get my business over with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad that way, <laughs> you know. And and people going to the doctor, like, like I don't want to go to a doctor talking like a. I'm talking to you like people yeah. going, do you tell like tell us what i'm sorry i want to say i need to see you like i need to see everything you're doing not just this part <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man so this is another one this me and my family go back and forth on this one they prefer the 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 clerks at the checkout and they have my my family can have you know 20 minute conversations with the clerks at the at the checkout and then they'll see that next door is the uh, the automated checkout ones where I'm the one that goes, and I can be in and out of there in 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. My family loves talking to the clerks and, and, and I love that human interaction too. But sometimes, man, I just want, I just want out of there. I've become a big fan of the pay your way out as I like to do because I don't mind going to, like sometimes I want a human depending on what I'm yeah. buying. Like if I go to Home Depot and I'm buying something kind of expensive, I want a human. But right. like if I'm going in there to buy 12 boxes of bolts or something, I don't need a human. I can go to yeah. the machine and scan it myself and all that other stuff. But before the pandemic, I didn't like going to self-checkout in the supermarket. I like, and, and well, because I had liquor and they don't let you go through the I guess Vegas oh, right here, you can go through the self-checkout and buy liquor. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's true. I just heard that. Uh, you can't, I, I, you know, I, but when it comes to booze, I want to go, I want a human. Okay. Because maybe they'll card me, you know, it's kind of cool <laughs> when you're my age and they card you. I got carded twice because you're wearing a mask. So like, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You think I still, my gray, before I shave my head, my hair is as gray as my beard. And I'm like, you really think I'm 21? Come on. But thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Let, let's just do this dance. Are you sure? Here's my card. But no, it's the same thing. And now you're dealing, you know, it's funny. You're dealing with people through plastic and a mask. You don't understand half of what they're being said to you. You just sit there and go, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I empathize with all the people out there who are far more upset than I am. Cause I mean that it is tough. It's really, really tough. It's not a it's not an interaction. No, it's, a, it's, it's a really hard. A, yeah. When I went to get my driver's license here in Virginia, I registered a couple of vehicles and I couldn't understand what she was saying to me. And it was because of the glass and the masks and everything. And she handed me the piece of paper to write down what I owed. And I just wrote the check and I handed it to her. And I went to my wife, she goes, you paid what? She goes, you need to go online to make sure you did the right thing. Sure enough, I paid, I paid sales tax twice on a car. I paid it once <laughs> in my old state. And then I paid it once in my new one. And I had to write, like, fill out all these forms to get the money back. And she goes, why'd you do that? I go, I, I didn't want to make a big deal. I didn't understand her. I wanted I to get out of there. <laughs> I just wanted to get out. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it'll cost, just get me out of here. You know, that six foot apart thing, then they make it three feet. 
I went to the I went to a Home Depot. We had to stand six feet apart. Went the next day. We're down to three. And I was like, "Wow, I wish I made those stickers." It's like being in That's California because everything causes cancer in California. So you yeah. you get to write all the signs. You get to print all these really cool signs. I was like, "Wow, I want to be a sign printer." But that must be a boring job. But they're just telling right everybody. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine the sticker companies are very busy right now. There's some, pl- oh, and the mass manufacturers, man, I tell you what, if I only known. Yep. But I'm also the one that was at the Apollo Theater and said rap wouldn't last. So I'll be uh, just, you know, best line I ever said. Run DMC was up there and I go, that's crap's never going to last. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't around when Ed Sullivan had the Beatles. <laughs> I really would have looked like an ass. <laughs> You're far from a Nostradamus, I can tell. Uh, you know what, though? I started getting into it, though. And then I was like, oh, this stuff's really cool. Because it was really great to do lighting for it. Especially if you can keep a beat. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't mm-hmm. keep a beat, it was the worst job in the world. <laughs> What do you? All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. What do you think about everything being all? What do you think about all the consoles now with effects engines and all the thinking for the programmer thing? They don't mean I, that in a derogatory way. No, nope. programmers. I think it is infinitely more important now to learn restraint. I I think yep. that we took a bunch of things that we used to take. 20 minutes to make and we took now they take 30 seconds just because you can does not mean you should yeah i remember doing a broadway thing and it wasn't a broadway show but it was a um you know it was one of the fundraisers and i got i can't remember which designer it was he goes just because the lights move doesn't mean you have to make the move yeah i went oh my god that's so deep i have to think about this overnight but he was right. Yeah. I think this is all the more reason why you need a designer and a programmer. Sometimes the most powerful thing a designer can say to the programmer is don't do that. Stop doing that. Yep. Yeah. But it's really cool. No, no, it's not. Stop it. <laughs> it's, it, you know what? I remember, you know, when you were on the artisan, you, you had two chase windows and two directs. So you had to do some really amazing programming to get some stuff done. And then you'd spend hours writing a color chase. If they wanted a wave or something. And now they get it done in five seconds. Like if, my favorite is the fan button. Like mm-hmm. I used to like, I, I still think you should focus your own fans. Yep. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why. I just still think, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal to do. But when that fan button came out, it was like, all right, it's kind of cool, but now can you touch them up? And you get that look. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not making it quite right. It's almost right, but it's not quite right. Yeah, just because it's right in the console doesn't mean it's right in real life. Yeah, I kind of felt like it was really weird. And I don't, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want this to come out insulting because I don't mean it to be. But when you started, I, I want, it's like flying a plane. I want you to know what the basic instruments are before you get in a jet and punch in stuff in the flight data and then let it fly itself. 
I want you to okay. know what you need to do when all that stuff dies. Like you need to be able to know what altitude you're at. <laughs> you need to be able to t- change your direction and all that other stuff. And that's the kind of way I always try to explain it is uh, I think it's all great that you can do this in less time. I do. But I want to be able to know that if I tell you to do something specific, you are able to deliver that. Well, that's a great analogy. It, it is like being a pilot out there sometimes. We used to joke around that we were console jockeys. I mean, pilots, because, you know, if you didn't know how to write a chase, the console wasn't going to write it for you. But now the console will write it for you. But And I know the console is not going to crash and not write the chase. But the designer may want something that the console is not able to make unless you are able to fly it and take control over it. Yeah, I think that's why we all uh, celebrate Scully so much. Like he was clearly, clearly a hero because he knew how to fly without proper. Uh, he knew how to way fly. I don't. Yeah. I had never heard of anybody taking a dual jet. I mean, taking any jet and putting it in water without without wing tipping it over. I mean, it, yeah. But he he knew he knew how to fly. He knew every part of how to fly, and that's what I want you to. You know, we used to take time when a new light came out. We would go to the shop and learn the light. Yeah. You know, we would have to learn the how, what you can do to it, how far you can push it. Now, now it's like, and and part of it is there's so many options now. But you know, I yeah. you know I tell them I go, you need to go down to the shop and play with the light. Who's going to pay me? Well, nobody. You just need to go down and learn how that light because you you gotta, you know, you gotta put that effort in because it's easy to break a light when you let the console do all the chase riding. It's yeah. really easy to break a light. The console doesn't know what light it is. I mean, it does, but it doesn't know it's in little idiosyncrasies. Only you'll know them by playing with it. Right. But, you know, there used to not be electric cars back then and there was no smartphones and it was a flip phone and a brick. I feel the same way. I used to totally know how to change my own oil. I used to know how to change my spark plugs. I could change a carburetor. Now I opened up my hood and it's just a pile of plastic and there's no place to put my arms oh my in. God. I can't even put a I leg a in. Car. my. I just, I just got a, um, a 2015 charger with a Hemi. Uh-huh. I opened the trunk. I opened the hood. Like I know what I'm looking for. No, I, yeah, look at those. Yeah, all right. I go hit the accelerator. Okay, it sounds good. Yep. And it goes fast. But your f- first time you go to the mechanic, they're going to tell you you need a software update. You're like, what? Oh, I hate that. It drives me crazy. Then, you know, you buy one of those things that you plug in yourself. You know, you go to like the auto repair store and then you get that little sensor and it's wrong. Yep. You go to the mechanic and go, oh, no, my O2 sensor's off. And then he goes, oh, no, it's not just that. It's the bubba, bing, bada, bing, bada, bang, bada, boom. You lose a computer on, I had to replace the brain. I didn't know my Tahoe had a brain. I just thought it was a car. But apparently, <laughs> it has a brain. So, well, we got to change out the, the brain. Uh, can you be a little bit more specific? Yeah, four, $1,495. I go, okay, that's specific enough. But you're right. My dad taught me how to change oil. I could tune a carburetor. I'd love to yeah. see a carburetor now. 
I wouldn't even know where mine is. I, I yeah, and honest. you're not allowed to change oil in your driveways anymore, so that you can't do that. You got to go to Jiffy Lube, give them twenty four bucks, and pray to God that they put the screw back in the oil pan the right yep. way. Not that that's happened. <laughs> okay, I, twice. <laughs> I wouldn't know where my spark plugs are anymore. Usually, usually I could tell, like in 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 across 15 different models. Those are the spark plugs. That's how you change them. Let's go pick up six new ones. Now, I wouldn't know. Yeah, the funniest thing is opening the hood when you're shopping for a new car. It really is. It's like, oh, look at that. The police of plastic and the name is spelled right. That's so <laughs> cool. I mean, it's like a Tesla. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not a big electric car guy yet. And I only say yet because I don't, it's, they still sound like my son's remote control car. Okay. You know, and, but yeah, you open up the hood and all, it's like, my God, you're just one big giant computer. And you know, you got to reset your Mac every once in a while or it ain't going to start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, if I ever yeah, had to went to the I, mechanic I, I and they told me I needed a new hard drive, I'd be, or just you oh, need God. to upgrade yeah. the RAM in my Tesla. And I don't like the car telling me when it needs service too. I just drive it like the car tells the tells GM and then GM sends you a thing going, you need to change the oil. I, I only got 4,000 miles on it. Why do I have to change it? Oh, because it's been three months and four days. <laughs> when I had my first car, I didn't change the oil on it for like 47,000 miles. I didn't know. I just kept it going. I'd open up the thing and I'd go slut oil in it. There you go. As long as it has oil. Mouth shut though. The Tahoe's being very, my, my Tahoe's getting jealous. It's not getting the attention <laughs> it used to get. Plus it was living in Southern California and the coldest <laughs> it ever saw was like 35, I mean 40. Like the other day it was 14 and it was like, I'm not auto starting. You're out of your mind. You're coming out here. And you're going to start with <laughs> the old-fashioned way. I sat at the window with the auto start going, why aren't you starting? I need that car warm. I had to go out there with the key and put it in. It started right away, but I'm convinced it was sitting there laughing at me, going, no, 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 no. You move me here? <laughs> you're going to learn your lesson. Oh, you had to use a key like 1990, like an analog car? Oh, oh well, I you know I have to tell you I had one car I had one car in LA I had I had my Jag and it had the remote start. Once you have remote start, we keep this in your pocket. It, you get spoiled. Mm -hmm. I've left the key in the Tahoe countless. And it's, I've left it in there countless times because I'm like, with my, where's your key? Oh shit, it's in the ignition. I'm gonna go back and get it. <laughs> It's a big guy. Yeah, I'm, you know, the only thing I don't, the only thing I do, I hate when the car, me, when, like my wife's car, she won't give me the key. Like I drive it, but I'm not allowed to have the key. She holds on to the key. So she'll okay. get out of the car and the car will flash. Key out of car, key out of car. And I'm like, Okay, and then I can't put it in drive. I'm stuck there waiting for her. I feel like that, like, honey, please come back. Please. <laughs> and then if she goes too far away, it turns off. And now I feel like, you feel impotent. It's like, what am I going to do? I can't even get my car moving. 
Smart woman. Smart woman. She knows she how to. She lasted 25 years with me. She had to figure out something. <laughs> we just we just celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary, New Year's Eve. Congratulations. Yes, we had to make it New Year's Eve because I wouldn't forget. No, wow. It. No, I was uh, say, we are. Her went the first five years of me not knowing her birthday. I had it off by one day for the first five years. That's love. That's love. But it was the third. It was the fourth. So she said, when we get married, we're getting married on a day you can't forget. <laughs> and I don't forget New Year's Eve. That's a tough one to forget. I have it in 19 years. The whole, the whole world yeah, is celebrating with you. It also made me not ever work again on New Year's Eve. I stopped doing gigs on New Year's Eve. That was the best part. Okay. That's a good reason. We yeah. are almost out of time. One of the questions I've been meaning to ask you for a while is for people that are kind of like coming into the industry, uh, let's say post pandemic, and they're kind of studying the Victor Fable resume and going over your website, would you say that you have a, a style? What is the Victor Fable style of lighting if you were to have to describe it? I am fluid and and I go with the flow. I will. I have. I hold. No, I will not think twice about changing the direction I'm going in. I like to adapt to what's happening. I'm not. I. I will. There's some designers that once they put it on paper, that's it. And I don't work that way. You know, if I feel like stuff needs to be moved and to make things better, you know, I do it. I get some really dirty looks sometimes, but. Um, oh, the other thing is, and I kind of got taught this from the designers that I've worked with. If I have a 200 light budget, I'll only draw 125 lights. I'll leave the rest in a big giant pile that says to be determined. So I, I can fill that. in the pictures when, yep. yeah, but it's kind of a standard LA thing. A lot of the designers yeah. in LA do it, but it also makes it so you can, you have to be able to adapt. You know, you can't be, it, that's what I never really enjoyed about theater was you kind of got the plot five weeks ahead. You know, I'm, my gaffers are lucky they'll get the plot the day before. And, you know, but I, you, you know, you got to be willing to make adjustments. You got to be willing to be open-minded and you got to be willing to remember that we're glorified waiters and servers in a way. We're here to make our clients happy. You know, we may be high paid designers and, you know, 40, 40, you know, big shots. But at the end of the day, it's do you want fries with that cube? Because you're there to make a client happy. You're not always there to make yourself happy mm -hmm. unless you're the client. And I haven't been the client on my own gigs yet, so I don't know what it's like. So I just think you have to be open. You have to be fluid. You have to be willing to adapt to what's been thrown in front of you. Don't come in there like this, go, you know, this is my vision and, and you're going to do it my way. You know, you got to be able to go in there and go, you know what, that key light, they moved that desk down stage four feet. We're going to move that key light. Yeah. And, or we're going to add one because you can't stop a director, a production designer, or, I mean, you can give your recommendation, but you're just one of five and 
if the director or producer wants it moved, you can't like stomp your feet and or not do it. You know, sometimes I'll add one of those TBDs instead of moving something. I'll go, you know what, take the TBD or, you know, grab one of those whatevers, X, Y's and Z's and throw it up there. But you got to be willing to be adjust. You have to be willing to work and, and don't. And the hardest thing is, is don't bring that ego with you. And that's hard. That but is hard. Just, you know, like Quincy Jones said, I think it was during We Are the World, leave your ego at the door. You really got to try to leave that ego at the door and, and collaborate and realize it's not just about you. You know, there's somebody writing a check. Yeah. It, you know, I was taught you like the money first and then you put everything else around. As long as you have the money looking right, then you put, then you fill in the rest of the picture. If you're worried about the rest of the picture, you're going to, you're going to sacrifice your artist yeah. or the star. And you can't do that. It'll bite you. No, you're Art. absolutely right. I've, I've seen a lot of people focusing on eye candy and, uh, and forget why they're there. And eye candy's an art. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I would, I mean, God, I've done plenty of shows where 250 VL5s are just pointed out into, into the audience at 12%. But you got to get the money right. You got to get that. I, I, if we run the first rehearsal and all I have is the, the spotlights and, and the, the humans lit, I'm happy. Then you can layer in. You know, and if you can't get it all in, get, you know, my rule is you have to have an opening, a chorus, a verse, and an end. And anything you can put in after that is bonus. If you can do something during a solo, I'm happy. But you got to give me the start of a song, a chorus, a verse, and an end. And I'm okay if you only have one cue. Just make it the best looking cue you can possibly do. You know, Alan Brand, remember, you remember the Unplugs? That mm -hmm. Alan Brand used to do for MTV. Those were the greatest shows in the world. One Look Wonders, but they were beautiful. Because you yeah. could spend the entire time working on that one look. There's something cool. When I used to do, when I, I was blessed that I was a programmer on Survivor finales, and then I became the LD. And you spend days making one look look amazing. You would make all these finite adjustments, like the plant has to be lowered or this, that. That's where, you know, there's a, there's a certain, it's a great feeling. It's not about pounding, like you said, it's not about doing it just because you can do it. You can do a lot of things with these lights today that I couldn't do with the lights that I had at the time. LEDs completely changed the way you can do things. And I'm talking about the eye candy LEDs, not not necessarily the the practical usage. I'm talking about mm -hmm. you know eye candy. Badass. Yeah, eye I candy. think that's the difference between an artisan a craftsman and a, and a factory made or just a assembly line produced product. Yeah, I mean, I go. I mean, I there's so many lights to pick from now. It's insane. I mean, it's I feel tough. bad for programmers sometimes because, you know, I try to keep the count 
if I have a, if no matter what the amount of light is, I won't, I don't want them to have 12 different models to deal with because it's, it's mm -hmm. difficult. They may not admit it, but it's difficult because they have 12 different sets of personalities, 12 different sets of ways of doing things, but there's so many options. I mean, you know, it's cray cray. And so it's many not like the VL five and six days where one or two fixtures came out a year. Well, even when the IntelliBeam came out and the CyberLight, there's still, you know, you, even when high-end started with the, the, the five, um, I'm sorry, that was Mac. Um, but even when the Mac 500, 600 came out, you know, there was still that small, finite amount of light. Now, now there are manufacturers sending out, you know, you can't even get your ROI on the lights you bought the year before. It's tough. Not that I would know. I'm not a rental house. That's what they tell me. Yeah. No, it's, it's very true. It's tough to buy a fixture, especially with the LED revolution. You know, as soon as something comes out, we've already invented a new, newer, brighter, more efficient LED that can be put in the same fixture. Well, I, I always love the fact that when LEDs came out, the big selling point was the wattage. And now you're looking at lights that are putting, that need as much power as, as a bar cam. Yep. Yep. And you kind of have to stop with the, you're saving money on energy because you kind of not anymore. Now you're getting longer life out of the lamp, which is still a benefit. But, but then again, you can still get a lot of, lot of you know, a lot of light for a little bit of money and in a small package. Well, a lot of people thought that maybe they would use the same amount of lights and cut the power what they ended up doing was using the same amount of power and tripling the amount of lights. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it, and it was just a matter of time. You knew it was coming when a yeah. light started off at 75 Watts, then it went to 150, And now you got, and you're sitting there going, you know, guys, once you hit that, like seven fifty thousand watt year, you're not, we've lost that now. I mean, you still, you will still have, it's a more reliable fixture. Yeah, and you won't have to send somebody up, you know, to change a dis a discharge lamp during an earthquake, and watch the lift go this way and the truss go this way. So, but it is weird how it's not about it's not about power anymore. Hopefully, a power cord won't take out your entire rig anymore. Oh God, no! It won't <laughs> ever happen again. Because I, you know what, I learned a lot that day. Oh, I learned a lot that day. You know, but hey, you live and you learn, and I'm still a big, and I got to do, um, I didn't get to do White Zombie then, but I got to do Rob a couple of times afterwards. So I, I more than made up for it, but I'll, it was disturbing to go home and just watch the reset, because of course I had to go home and <laughs> torture myself. I'm sitting there going, hey, look, watch what's going to happen. <laughs> and, then, and the worst thing is remembering the twos and the fours reset, they would do that. And they all did it. It was in unison. And then it would all stand up straight. And then you're hitting the strike button as, you know, the entire time. And then the song's over. And they'd go back into the last cue. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. I'm going to go downstairs now and tell my wife, you know what I remembered? And she's just going to be <laughs> She'll just be pleased I remembered anything. Oh, oh happy to take a walk down misery lane with you. <laughs> Dude, this has been a blast. I'm really glad we did this.
It's good. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to be excited to hear from you. Absolutely. No, I don't think we're going to be like doing that many gigs anymore together because, you know, we're both mature and beyond that. And, um, I'd never and, give up know, hope about going to Walmart and uh, becoming a greeter. Yeah, I think about becoming an Uber driver. That looks you funny. know, there's something to be said about it now. You know yep. what? I, I you know what I can't do is the Insta shopper. Okay, like I that that's a lot of responsibility. My wife is like they're texting all the time. Like they don't have this, and it's like, what do you mean? All right, well you got to get that. No, 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 no. You can't leave me with that much responsibility. <laughs> Like if you don't, if I if I can't find you a quarter milk, I'm bringing you chocolate milk, or you. All uh, right, close enough. So maybe you can drive your Uber to my Walmart, and we can run into each other there. We'll figure it out. Yeah, at least we're on the same side so of listen, the the continent now. That you know what? I love it too. I'm really glad I did that. I really am. I I I can't. I will admit, I do miss 80 degree weather in December, but. I do like having a fireplace that actually has a purpose. With, with real wood? Um, no. Not yet. No, you know what? The house is new. The house was built in 12. Okay. So he didn't put gas, he didn't put logs in. He did um, He did something else. I still got a fireplace though, because I couldn't use the one in LA. I would have gotten arrested or thrown in jail or I would have gotten taken somewhere and beaten. I don't the know. The smog check. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, and I was, and a real fireplace in LA always scared me because, like, I don't know if the house was in an earthquake or not. And, like, I don't need it backing up, you know, like carbon monoxide coming in the thing. Cause I don't want to be that person that, like, you know, took out his whole family because he burned wood. <laughs> you know, my neighbor has a great one. He has one of those wood burning stoves that you can have. And that will probably be in the in the near future Got because it. the way the flume works, it's all different. Actually, the, not to bore you, don't edit, don't put this in. The reason they don't have them is because nobody will guarantee it when you buy the house. Got because, it. Because you know all the soot and all the stuff and all that other stuff. So like nobody, you know, you could buy a house and end up having to drop ten grand to get the fireplace fixed. Yeah, because it doesn't and, come with a warning label. It doesn't come with a warning label. Exactly. Got it. Actually, I haven't run into a warning label here, except for the ones from California that are on <laughs> products that they sell here. But, um, you know, if you buy a shotgun, there's a California warning in it. <laughs> shotgun may cause cancer. <laughs> this weapon may hurt you. <laughs> I, 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 I framed it. I did. I framed the warning. I was like, I got to have this one. I All like right. also telling people from, I'm from California because they go, how did you like it there? And I go, oh, I was great. The weather's super. Why'd you move here? Because they turned off the state overnight. They just said, no worky. Yeah. Well, at least entertainment is doing something, I think. But two of my friends got COVID from going back to work. Is it running bad for you? Mm-hmm. Is COVID bad up in, in the great in, white north? In Ontario, are relatively no, but subjectively, yes. Like we're, we're locked down up here, too. We were back down to like a lockdown, non-essentials, everybody stay home. Yeah. 
I just hope they don't stop the we'll bring the stuff to your car from at Lowe's and Home Depot because I really like that. Yeah, I like that. I like ordering stuff and waiting in the parking lot for some kid to bring it out. And then you offer them a tip and they can't take it. Okay. And I said to one, I go, what if I drop it on the floor? And he looked at me and he goes, well, I'll probably pick it up and give it back to you. And I was like, oh, Lord, I can't win. Oh, man. I hope that doesn't go away. I do hope that stays no matter what. Because lumber being put in your car is so much better than lumber being carried by you. You can quote me on that one. Thank you, Modern Technology. Thank you so much. Dude, this has been a blast. I was all nervous about this. Nah, this is just fun, good times. Thank you so much, Victor. I appreciate it. I thank you.